You're listening to the e-commerce marketing show presented by Privy. Live from my closet. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to another episode of the e-commerce marketing show. I'm excited today because we have Chelsea Moore and Chelsea is the co-founder and CEO of BoxBox. And BoxBox is every week that we didn't record this podcast episode, Lauren on our team was like, I love BoxBox. We got to get it back. We got to get it back. I'm glad we finally were able to make this work. Well, thank you so much for having us. We're super excited. And I know this has been a long time coming, so I'm glad to finally get on with you. We had initially wanted to have you on around Valentine's Day. And so I do want to talk about just how to angle your brand around holidays. But I'm just interested in your story. Like, just take us back a couple of years. Like, you're now the CEO of, of this, you know, great direct to consumer brand. Like, where did this thing start? How did you get into this business? Yeah. So we are almost six years old, but we kind of got BoxBox going around Christmas of 2013 is when the idea came. We had been out of school about six months and I was working at an ad agency. My co-founder Sabina was working at an ad agency and my co-founder Jenny was doing sports marketing, but we were all feeling kind of the same disbanding of our community. You know, you leave college and if you're lucky or whatever, you know, experience you've been in, you have like your group of people. And when I graduated my group of people spread all over the world and, you know, kicking ass and doing their thing. But it's a weird transition. So we felt really lonely. And there kept being these opportunities in people's lives that we felt like we were missing out on because we weren't there. So, you know, whether they were sad, like people getting sick or they were happy, people getting engaged and having babies, there wasn't a way to physically be there for them when you couldn't physically be there for them. And it really inspired us like, oh, I wish there was a way that like I could drive around to like my favorite stores and like make them a care package, but it was easier. And that was really the spark. And it was kind of going and going. And then one of our very good friends who actually is on our sales team now got really sick in LA and was in Ronald Reagan hospital. And I was so busy so bottom of the totem pole at my office, I couldn't leave to get anything for her or even go visit her. And so that's what really sparked it. And so we you know, started working with our friend who was a coder to build like a little site and just kind of, I started doing it full time pretty quickly. The other girls quit their jobs about a year later, but that was kind of the catalyst to get it going and kind of the real ethos behind build a box box, our platform that we built. So I, I have a bunch of questions from, from that. So so number one is you said you had somebody that could build a website. Did you have any idea what it would take to sell products on online? My background in college, I worked for Brandy Melville, which is a clothing company, and I had worked in corporate. So I was familiar with like the wholesale landscape. I had gone to magic and project and agenda and like I had seen firsthand kind of them building their magento back site. And so a little bit, I knew like the economic, the basic economics of what we were going to do. It became complicated because our whole thing was going to be kitted products into one SKU. So we have our ready to ship boxes and then our build a box box platform, which is, you know, the same thing, except the control is in the consumer's hand of what goes into that kit. So a little bit, but definitely, I mean, I was 22 at the time flying by the seat of my pants for sure. 
That's the best way. You know, what's funny though, I, through doing this podcast, I've been able to talk to like, I tweeted this out last night, like my secret for learning e-commerce as a new CMO has just been to host this podcast because I get to literally just have conversations with people like you. But almost every founder that I've talked to is in a similar position was like, yeah, you know, like we had this idea, but like we just figured it out. And through the last six, seven years, like you had to do the creative, you had to run the ads, you had to set up the website. And I, I think that that's an important lesson because I, I think the default is to want to outsource marketing. But I think some of the best brands, it's like that's come from you in the early days. Like you're the founder of this company, you and your two other co-founders, like you own marketing, right? Like th that's been a mission. That's been part of the mission since even before you launched, right? You started doing stuff on social before you even were, were selling boxes, right? Yeah, we launched because I used to run the Instagram for Brandy. So I knew it was 2000, like... 11 when I got to play with their Instagram. So it was kind of like easier to get followers, easier to get engagement back then. But at the time, you know, it was 2013, 2014. We still, I was like, you know, we need to like start an aesthetic six months prior to launch so that if people come and this is our calling card, they're scrolling and stalking. They're like, oh, they're not full of it. And so we were creating all that content. And do you think that was the right approach? Like, would you give you know, if, if somebody's listening to this and they're, you know, thinking about starting a brand or in the early days, like, do you think it was a good idea that you started creating content like six months before the product? Yes. I don't know if I'd give like my advice wouldn't necessarily be about the timeline of that. I feel like my advice would be about the quality and being honest with yourself about the type of content you are able to produce. Not tooting my own horn, but like we're pretty good at creating our own stuff in-house. All of our content is our own. And so I knew it looked good. And obviously it's evolved. It looks better now. But like I have friends who are starting ventures and I'm like, if you can't do it at least and you don't want to pay for outsourcing it super professionally, lean on a friend who at least has the ability to do it for you because it matters. It makes a difference. So I don't know if you necessarily need six months. I'm glad we did start it beforehand though. Cause it did make it feel like it was kind of like a ritual. Like every day I was starting to get the word out and the hype that like, Hey guys, we're kind of working on something. Stay tuned. It's going to be really cool. I asked you kind of like, cause it was a leading question. Cause I think it's a great idea. Like most companies have like the cold start problem, which is like, you know, you're spending all this time and then you're all right, today's the day we're going to launch. And like, you have no email list, you know, you haven't tested any creative on from, from an advertising standpoint. Like you haven't even done, even just through organic social, you could learn what creative might work for, for mm -hmm. paid. And so like, I think it's great because you basically had six months of, of marketing and brand and audience. Cause like, I think the thing that people miss with content a lot is that it's often like you said it, right? You're like, I know we're good at this because this is what I do. And I, and I've done content like content being successful with content is so much of like a, a science to it. But a lot of it is that gut feeling like, Oh, how do you know? Well, like if that's you running the Instagram account since 2011, you can just feel what posts got more engagement and comments than normal. Yeah. And I'm sure you've been able to like take those and you, and because you've been doing it for six years, you have a better gut feeling about which content is going to work right out of the gate. And it just feels good. Like as a founder to be closer to it, because it makes me feel closer to the customer and there's been like three or four times in the last six years that I've like gone on vacation or something and I've handed the reins to somebody else. And my dad will always be like, I can tell when you're not doing it. And I'm like, interesting. Huh. So like, I'm a lot more impromptu. We're a lot less planning when it comes to at least our social. Obviously our email and digital is a lot more methodical, but 
with social, it's just like, we try to just be like an extension of how we're kind of feeling. What is marketing at BoxBox? What are the channels? Like, I want to, I want to know everything about what, what you do to, to do marketing. Yeah, for sure. We definitely were on the cheap for a lot of years. I saw the power of what social did at Brandy. So I was like, I'm not paying for anything for a while. And our big thing is like, I, to juxtapose that, also worked at a large agency. So I saw like, okay, these companies are paying millions of dollars to kind of like create community and like create word of mouth. Like, why don't we just start with trying to like make word of mouth happen? So when we launched, the three of us sat down and probably together emailed 1500 people, you know, just like consistent, consistent, consistent. Like that was our narrative to anyone who asked for like six months straight TAs, people we used to babysit who so-and-so's dad at so-and-so company. Like that's what we did. Were you just like getting names and just like literally writing them down? And what, what, oh, were, you send, what were you sending emails with? Just like straight out of Gmail? We did MailChimp from the get. Okay. Now we're on Klaviyo, which we really love the sophistication of their tools. But when we started, it was on MailChimp, created a mail list, just emailed literally everybody we had ever met. Because I mean, we are in Los Angeles. People know people who know people. So it's, it's helpful. And as we've kind of evolved, we do social. Social is still very like willy-nilly here and impromptu. We now, in the last year, do a fair amount of digital with an agency. I and my marketing associate work with really closely that we feel are doing a great job. And then email is just huge for us. I mean, we have a very sophisticated... Does somebody manage Clavio for you too? My marketing associate and me and her split the creative. So we're producing the creative. We're very picky about it. What's so sophisticated about your It's not anything that other huge companies aren't doing. I know, I know, but I want you to I want you to, to okay. say what those things are. I want you to break Absolutely. It. I mean, well, it's like really being able to kind of we call them here like hypotheses, like testing hypotheses. So it's like, you know, we have a whole flow. If you come in and you search the bridesmaid box or you buy the bridesmaid box, we tag you as potentially a bride. And we test that against a couple other factors and if you're a bride we kind of capture you as a bride and we have like an entire flow like six months to 12 months of things that we kind of educate you down a channel of or if you come into us learning if you use build a box socks first we'll educate you about ready to ship if you use ready to ship we'll educate you about build if you come in via the marketplace we'll educate you about the gifting platform we have a nice little welcome series it's actually being redone this month that i'm very excited about just, you know, it's like testing all these yeah. gifting. There's so many different verticals. There's so many different reasons you're using it. We're lucky because everyone in the beginning is like, who's your customer? And it's like, well, ultimately we're marketing to ourselves because everyone here is a female under 35. But our customers, I mean, we're seeing 18 to 70. We see right. men and women. We see corporate and not corporate. And so it's really fun for us to kind of really dig into those different kind of personas and what they use and what they need. I love it. So you're 100% right, by the way. Like I, in just like checking out your website and researching for this, I'm like, oh, sweet. I found an easy way that I don't have to think about sending gifts. So there you go. That sounds awesome, right? Like, but it, it also feels like it could be a gift and a curse. Right? You have like a ton of personas. And so what's the actual process for, for you and your marketing marketing associate? Like, how do you actually 
break all those down? Is it like one day you got in a, a room with a whiteboard and you, and you mapped out all the potential flows? Cause like I've worked with a lot of marketing teams, especially on email. And this is where everybody gets just lost, right? Because you, you know, next thing you know, you have 50 variations of email flows and like, it just gets out of control. So I'm, I'm interested in how you've actually like made that real. For us, it's like not trying to do all of them at once. And I think that it's okay to have like three to five that are an emphasis for a certain quarter or a certain month. Like we've got evergreen marketing that goes to everybody, almost everybody, you know, our holiday pushes, stuff about COVID shipping delays, things like that that are evergreen educational, institutional level. And then, you know, everybody's getting engaged over Christmas leading into March, right? Majority. So then you're a lot of bridal personas getting pushed in Q1. You've got a lot of like right now, COVID's actually bringing a lot of different kind of like twists on these personas into the fold. You've got, I think that it's okay. Like for us, it's, it's never been all of them at once. We don't have all of it going at one time. It's really like the evergreen to make sure everybody's getting captured. And then just like focusing and testing on different personas throughout the year. Got it. So, so you might have like, you know, only three or four bridal is one, you know, you have your welcome series, you might have bridal and, and a couple others that you're like, that you're testing into. Yeah. And then we have merch emails, which, you know, they cycle based on people's frequency of use and opens. And so that's kind of like cycling on its own throughout the year. And then come July, we start the corporate gifting push for the end of the year. And then that turns into its own thing. But I think it's okay not to try and do everything at once. That's what someone told me in the beginning. It's like, you can't do everything when you start, you need to like build. And so we just try to focus on like, what's our priority right now? Are there any marketing channels that you've like tested and and killed or failed with? Like obviously social has been great for you. Email has been great. I got to guess there's been other things that you've tested. For us, it's like a bandwidth issue with Pinterest. I think we could be better on Pinterest. We're a very aesthetically driven company and I'll totally call us out. Like we could be doing that a lot better. Um, And I think that... Um, YouTube is something we started. And then again, it's a bandwidth issue. Like I know what the standard should be and we couldn't really do it. We have a lot of other things going on. So we pulled back. So there's like a little bit of YouTube on there. I feel like we could do it better. Um, so it's just, it's honestly a bandwidth limitation for us. Um, and I'd like to pursue a little bit more of those, but w- before we go back to YouTube, we're going to actually start a lot more like IGTV stuff and video and live people on our actual social feed and then go and pursue that kind of a thing. Isn't there, there's gotta be like a whole like unboxing angle for content that, that would be amazing for, for box box, right? Totally. And like, yeah, we've, we've dabbled in PR too. I mean, that's its own beast. Um, I kind of got exhausted by it and it was actually the right time to kind of veer away from it because I think going into this new year, people are going to have to approach kind of influencer mailers and kind of the frivolous feeling type things a little bit differently as people are entering into potentially a recession and losing their jobs and stuff like that. So I feel like I'm actually glad that we had made that decision in the middle of 2019. Um, and, but yeah, the unboxing thing, it's like, we just need to turn it up a notch on our own because we can produce that content and we, we unbox it the cutest anyway. Yeah, right. That's what I mean. You could just have user-generated content. Like, hey, take a video of you unboxing this and the, the rest is going to sell itself. Totally. And I love it. Like, we get a lot of, like, mentions on our stories of people unboxing. And I mean, it's us, me and two other people messaging them and asking them to send us that content. And we feed that through because I think that is 
the best content you can have. Oh, appreciates it. It takes a beautiful hundred percent. What what you just said is so important, right? Which is like, I think a lot of people are like, how am I ever going to get that content? Sometimes a lot of it's, it's just out there and you just have to ask for permission. Like, Whoa, I saw this unboxing. Like, you know, I'm happy. Can I, can I send you like $10 off your next order? And if we could use this, that'd be really cool. Totally. Exactly. And like we, especially after like mother's day is a huge intake holiday for us because we see a lot of discovery first and foremost between men and women finding out box socks and being like, holy crap, this is a secret weapon for me. And so then we've got them coming in and we're like nurturing them through the welcome series and the flows and all that. And then it's like their recipients are stoked on it and they're sharing it in mass. And so like Mother's Day is a huge and important holiday for us to try to be watching those mentions and, and reaching out to those customers. And then you got Mother's Day, Father's Day, 4th of July. Like they're just, a, it's just probably just a chaotic, you know, chaotic, a couple, a couple weeks. It's, it's a chaotic, t- I mean, Let's be honest, the March and April of 2020 was a chaotic yeah. existence across so the board. What, what's, what's, happened, what, what's happened to your business um, since then? I, I, I tweeted out that yesterday that like, we got to stop saying like in these uncertain times and the new normal. And so I'm trying to like not use those words in our marketing because it just is life. <laughs> but yeah. I do want to know, I do want to know what, what impact you've seen in, on, on your business since then. Um, well, surprisingly, we have seen a much higher demand, which has been really amazing for us. And we're really, really grateful um, that people are kind of aren't like literally from the first one sheet we ever wrote was about being there for others when you can't physically be there. And so I feel like this has we've been a really great asset for people, both professional relationship maintenance and personal relationship maintenance. So that's been really great. For the beginning of it, because we are in kind of Los Angeles, the beginning of it was hard because we kind of had to have a much scaled down operation. And so it really broke my heart that we are typically very, very, very fast shippers. And that kind of got, you know, delayed. It was more of like a five to 10 day window, which really bummed me out. Um, And then having to manage that demand through Mother's Day, it was just hard on our team, but we've kind of made it through and now they're easing restrictions. And so we're back to our normal shipping speed. We turned expedited shipping back on. I think people just needed to adapt. We're letting everyone who is work from home eligible work from home, obviously kind of indefinitely until the state deems it more appropriate for people to be cycling back in. Um, But we are a pretty small company anyway. So maintaining our own personal kind of thing is fine. Um, And we've got about, 10 people here at a time in like a 20,000 square foot warehouse. So it's not super, you know, scary, but, um, wait, can can I, can I ask you a question? This is such a, like a noob question, but I, but so so you're like you, your office is in the warehouse and you run the warehouse and you ship everything from where you are. Yeah, we own everything. So we really strongly believe in, we don't leverage a third party solely to do anything. We, have everything shipped here. We produce everything here. And then we have like a small portion. That's our office office that's here. Okay. So, so like in order, what, this is what happens in order, an order comes in, like, I'm going to go, let's say after this, I buy, um, like you just gave me the idea of like, Oh, a box box would be a great gift for, for, for my team. Um, mm-hmm. I go do that. We place the order, you get it. What happens next? 
So we've got our warehouses split between B2B, corporate gifting, B2C, direct-to-consumer, and our office. So you would have that come through Shopify, our back-end, ShipStation, in our kind of main, I call it the head and the neck of B2C. It's like the offices with the label printers and the desks and everything. And that's where customer service is intertwined with label table. And your orders are printed. It goes to the note writers. The note writers then write, handwrite all the notes. It gets uh, bundled up and sorted according to expediting, geography, yada, yada, all that sort of stuff to make sure that our big thing is, is it going to get there the fastest? So it's sorted kind of in that way. Um, And then we have pullers, we have packers, we have shippers, um, and then it heads out the door. How how, How long did it, First of all, it's amazing that you have that you own all your own your, your facilities and everything. How how long did it take you to get to that point? Like in, in into the journey of BoxFox six years in, when did you when did that happen? So we ran out of our apartment for a year and a half, which was what was that like towards the end? Gnarly. And you know what's funny? Everybody's working from like all the work from home eligible people are working from home. I technically could be working from home this entire time if I really wanted to. I don't like to because I'm so traumatized from having it intertwined into my old apartment that I'm like, I would much rather sit in this side of the office by myself every day than to like, it's not even, it's just like having an inventory based business in your apartment is a lot at 24. Like it's just, that's the dream though. That's like, that's like the the, the classic picture. I mean, you gotta have, you gotta have that picture somewhere. I'm sure there's a picture of you. In your apartment, you know, piles high of boxes. Well, my co-founder, Jenny, and I lived together until last year. And so it was our apartment. And we basically, at the time, we started in my apartment in Venice. Those roommates got annoyed. So we were like, okay, we need to look for basically a three-bedroom for the price of a two-bedroom to, like, keep BoxBox going. And so we found in El Segundo, at the time, you could get that. So we got this amazing three-bedroom, like typical old cabinet apartment, but like great three-bedroom with a two-car garage. So we were like, whoa. So That's that, the warehouse. I have a picture of like all the crinkle and the China manufactured boxes in the garage. And like, you know, we did two Christmases in that apartment. That's a lot of Christmases in that apartment. Like I had clients picking up in our alley. Like it was crazy. And then we got a like low key sublease in a warehouse in El Segundo for six months, like where we just rented like the back 200 of like an old aerospace warehouse. It was so gross at horrible lighting, but whatever. And then we were able to talk our way into a 7,000 square foot warehouse in El Segundo without like years of corporate financials. So that was great. And then we just moved into this place. We're in Hawthorne um, a year and a half ago. And it's like legit. It's really awesome. So it's taken- I, don't, I, don't, I don't blame you. As long as, you're, as long as people are around you, if you can go to work, then hey. Yeah. Powered. And, and you don't, it's, it's got to be kind of nice to, to let yourself in there every day. And I got my mask right here. I'm just in a room by myself right now. So yeah. like, it's just no, it's nice to be visible. We just believe in that. Because like, I've interned and work at places or I've met with people that have their office on like Abbott Kinney and then like their warehouse in Cerritos or Santa Fe Springs that they never see and never touch. And it's like, no, I like, I like that. It's like, we have it here and it goes out and we know it was done well. 
Yeah, you can. I mean, you can see. You can go touch any product that you want, and then go do that. Okay, I'm looking at your Instagram page. Like you're taking, you're creating all this, all the, all this like product photography. You're doing that in house. Mm-hmm. We have a little photo studio set up in the main office. And and do you do like how do you know when to go and create more? Is like a, a daily thing. Like, hey, we got to post something every day. We're going to take a picture today. Like, how does this work? Um, we've got a backlog of stuff. Like we have a, um, a friend of mine who helps us out and comes in and she'll shoot for us like on a monthly basis. Um, and so we've got a lot, but we're like on the ground doing it all with her. And then in the last month and a half, it's been like, what do we need? And we've just kind of planned accordingly. And a lot of times it's like during the, the bulk of this, of March and April, I was in the warehouse packing orders. And so when beautiful stuff was coming in, I was like, Hey, go shoot this like in situ on a yellow background and then like come back, you know? So we've been able to do that kind of stuff lately. Um, but having it set up in the studio, it's like, Oh, all the new Kinfield came in, like, let's shoot like a splatter pile. And we've got like a pretty sophisticated, like deck of standards. So like people who are interested in photography and design in the warehouse can jump in and help during photo shoots, but they have to, study the standards and the angles and everything. Cause it's very thoughtful the way we put it together. Um, so yeah. Okay. What if you were, if you were looking back, all right. So, so, so you've been doing this, you have a successful business. Um, you and I become friends and I say, Hey, uh, Chelsea, I'm starting a direct to consumer business and I want you to be my coach. Mm-hmm. What are like, what are the, and I, I had to send you like a report card. So I, you know, at the end of every month, what are the four or five metrics or maybe it's two or three that, that you would want where you could look at objectively and say like, all right, Dave is doing a good job or not. That's a really great question. Um, I don't know exactly what order I would do this in, but like I would probably look at your kind of rough economic marginal money-making plan on like a unit economic basis to start just be like, do you have something here? <laughs> So let's start. So, so like straight up, number one would just be like straight up mar- like margin. Like what are the margins? What are the numbers? Um, probably just be like, what's your startup capital plan? And like, what is your plan for the next six-ish months to kind of recoup that? Um, probably like, I wouldn't waste time spinning wheels like to have them present like a branding deck, but it could be like a loose couple page PDF keynote where it's like, what's your vibe? Because I'm a big believer in like throw the spaghetti at the wall and let it evolve with the aesthetics. But like, what's your starting point? So you at least have like a POV in that perspective. Um, I would say like, again, we didn't start with a super sophisticated email list, but we were really scrappy and resourceful and like consistent about it. So it's like, how are you finding these people to talk to? And how are you partnering with maybe like, Oh, this, these other brands that make sense to partner with, to get a little bit more exposure in their emails and their social. That's probably like where I would start. Obviously there's like the, did you get your business license? Did you get your web thing? What's your trademark needs in this space? That's done. I love it. I, I would give you all the, fi- well, I don't know, the financials you'd have to work on, but um, I could tell you the marketing plan. Um, on the, like, specific to customers though, are, are there like, are there customer, you know, I know we talk like, a lot of people talk about like average order value and repeat customer rate. Like, are those things that you're thinking about from a marketing perspective? Totally. And we have kind of like, 
I guess if you think about our marketing, I look at it like our rewards program measures our retention. We have like a tools and metrics guide that we kind of lean on on a monthly basis. It's like our loyalty program measures our retention, our email measures, I can't think of it right now, social and digital. Those are like the four that we lean on the most. And so like retention, in the beginning, we didn't care because it was so much like new, new, let's just keep growing. Let's get out there. Let's get the word going. And then around year three in our second warehouse, it's like, okay, let's get a little bit more sophisticated with retention. And my goal that year, I think we were at like a 25% retention and my goal was like 45 minimum. So then like, it was like, how are we going to do that? Research, we launched the loyalty program and we've successfully exceeded that in the time being after putting significant effort into it. Um, but I would say like retention is, is important over time. Um, average order value, that was something we started to care about in the third year. And for us, it was just a matter of free shipping over X that really kind of leveled it up. And then also just like our offerings became more diverse in their price range. And we had a lot more expensive stuff available because there was like, there's people who want the $35 mini, but there's people that want the $300 care package. So we just try to service everybody as best we can. Yeah. And especially like, you don't always know, like, you know, if somebody's doing that for a business, it might be easier to, to you know, expense 300 bucks and to pay that out of your own pocket or whatever. Totally. And then like on the other side of it, we have a pretty booming corporate kind of business with clients that we do over the phone and over email and order a la carte and do stuff to scale as well. So we're getting kind of that whole side service as well. Okay. We're almost, we're almost done. My last question is about the actual, like, what is the data, what is the day-to-day week to week, like, you know, marketing kind of rhythms look like with you and, and, and your, your team there. So you have marketing associate, you have agencies, like, um, just interested in kind of the, the cadences, like you have meetings, you have check-ins, you have metrics, like w- what actually happens behind the scenes from a marketing team perspective? Totally. I think for us, Monday and Tuesday are the heaviest. Um, we do like an hour in-person slash Zoom check-in and kickoff. We review kind of like all four of those big pillars of and the metrics, like where are we at with the data on each? Is there any outlying events or pressures that affected that in a certain way and then kind of review what's on the calendar for the next two weeks review what still needs to be produced email wise photo wise what doesn't need to be produced um and kind of going from there it's it's pretty rhythmic at this point but there's still a lot of room for like the other day they pitched me some random fun thing that they were inspired to do. I was like, okay, put it on, do it. I don't care. Like that sounds great. You justified it. It sounds great. Go for it. Have you had a big, um, creative, like swing and a miss? Um, a miss, like a significant miss. I mean, honestly, the YouTube is probably like the biggest swing and a miss I would say so far, but like in terms of like, an email here and Instagram there. Nothing's been like a miss, you know, it's all been pretty on brand engaged stuff like that. That's what happens when, that's what happens when the founder is involved in the brand. So there you go. Well, Chelsea, thank you so much for doing this. This was awesome. Um, My goal for doing these is to like, at least I think if I can learn one or two things, I know people at home will get something out of this. So I appreciate you doing this. Um, make sure everybody goes and checks out, uh, box Fox. I don't know if you have anything to plug or promote or whatever, but I figured uh, where at least tell people where they could find you and your stuff. 
You can find us at shopboxbox.com or at shopboxbox on Instagram. You can always email me at chelsea at shopboxbox.com. And nothing to plug super relevant at this exact moment, but Father's Day collection launches on June 8th. Nice. There you go. You got about 10 days after that to get your Father's Day gifts in. So go. I might have to go do that right now. All right, Chelsea, you're awesome. Thank you for doing this. And I'll talk to you later. Thank you so much.